Amen. You have your Bibles this morning. We're in Ephesians chapter 5. We're trolling through the book of Ephesians. We've been in it quite a while. I think this is number 22 in the series, and we're going to continue on, and it's a tremendous time to, to be alive. I wouldn't want to be alive in any other season than this right now. We're about to see the greatest, glorious outpouring of God's Spirit that man has ever witnessed on this earth. I remember in 1968-69, I was just 15, 14, 15 years old, and some of the things that were going on in cities would make this look like the 4th of July. L.A. was burning. New York was burning. Uh, Martin Luther King had been killed. Um, Bobby Kennedy had been shot. Uh, Woodstock happened. All the college campuses were rife with uh, riots and, and people being hurt. And then in 1969, a bunch of priests and nuns were baptized in the Holy Spirit in a place called Duquesne University. And it started what was, uh, what's been known as the Charismatic Renewal. Started in 1970, 71, and went all the way to the mid-80s. Swept millions of people into the church. Literally millions of people. Prior to 1969, you didn't hear acoustic guitars, trumpets, and drums in church. It was only for organ and piano. There was just a, a influx of hippies and long-haired uh, freaky people that came into church and got saved by the droves. You could say boo and people got saved. You're talking about radical people that would smoke a joint on the steps of the church and come in just for a while. They were radical. What's going to happen in a very quick manner, in a sudden manner, is God's going to show how quick He can do and how suddenly He can do things. It's the hour we're in. It's the hour we're in. So, Father, I thank You that You purposed in Your heart for new life to be right here in this part of Scripture for today. Father, I thank you that we're walking in your steps. You are ordering our steps. And, and I'm not foolish enough to believe that everyone in the body of Christ is getting marching orders where they're at and for their purpose and for your purpose, what you want to do in your kingdom. Father, I thank you for your word. Bring it alive to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians 5.19 speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. There are many opinions right now, and we are pressed to listen to them from every side. God is not surprised by opinions, nor is He shaken. People are actually talking about, and one city that I know of is are dismantling the police force, if you can imagine. Talking about defunding police, getting rid of police, many opinions. And I'm saddened to see that some Christians are also for this kind of thing. I find it a challenge as to what wisdom I can add. The Holy Spirit has to guide me, and He must guide you. Sadly, some listening today, some will hear this message, 
deem me unlearned in the current situation. They think that I don't know like uh, the internet TV bishop, bishop or apostle or seer or pastor that has a bigger handle on things, maybe a bigger picture. We need to trust God this morning. He knew where we would be and what we would need to hear at this moment. I have to trust that that's what he's saying. Speech is the most important thing God gave us. Not money, not social standing or things. It's communication. And we, it's incumbent upon us as a church, as the church, as, our, as the representatives of Jesus Christ, to communicate with this lost world right now. And give direction. The only direction that's purposeful and pointed as the direction that God is giving. Communication is the act of imparting, conferring, or delivery from one to another. And we absolutely must communicate. You don't think communication makes much difference? Thirteen days ago, no one ever heard of the name George Floyd. No one. His death has sparked protests and riots all over the world. Not just in America, all over the world. People today are rioting and protesting in South Africa, in Australia, in London, in Germany, in Belgium. You don't think communication makes a difference? No one knew the name of George Floyd. If he'd have died in any other way, no one would have ever known who George Floyd was. Six months ago, no one heard of COVID-19. Now it's a worldwide and everyone speaks English. doesn't matter what language you speak. You know who George Floyd is. You know what COVID-19 is. Communication is so very important. One man out of 7.7 billion people has turned the world upside down. One man, George Floyd. His death has turned the world on its ear. One virus out of 320,000 viruses that are known to man right now, 320,000 viruses are in this world. One virus has turned the world on its ear. Communication is so very important. Words mean something. And when we speak the Word of God, we speak something far above, far beyond what any word that man can speak out of his mouth. Scripture says in verse 19 that we are to speak to one another. Now we have a choice. We could speak the problem. We could speak the results of the problem. We could speak of our hate of the problem. Or we could speak of a solution to the problem. And there is a solution. Come on, somebody. There is a solution to all the problems that we're facing in this world today. And the solution is Jesus Christ. It's not a train of thought. It's not some training. It's not a film. It's not a a hoorah. It's not a song. It's in the man, Jesus Christ. And the Word of God that we are to speak. Speak the Word. Here in Hebrews 4, you'll see it on that column on the left-hand side. Watch what Hebrews 4 says. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God is living and powerful. Now, 
When it says living, the original language is quick. In King James Version, it says the Word of God is quick and powerful. Quick is zoe, and it means to live, breathe, be among the living, to enjoy real life. Now, I can't stress enough that when you speak God's Word, you're speaking living things. This is a living thing. The word is zeo, and it's exactly what it means. It means to live and enjoy life. So when we speak God's word into any situation, we're speaking life into that situation. No matter how far it seems to have gone, we say the world's gone too far, and I say to you, no, the world's not gone too far. God is able to turn it around. God is able to minister. God is able to focus. God is able to draw out of this dying world the life that He desires. By His Word. When you speak the Word, you are not creating something. The Word is already created. It is alive and it will change people, places, and things. Because of its veracity and because of its content. God has a plan. Scripture says here that that word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It seeks out and finds the true content and reveals the truth to bring light to it. The Word of God goes right to the heart of the matter. God, I don't know where I can find an answer. I don't know what I'm doing. I've reached a place where I don't have an answer. My friend, you will find the answer in Jesus. You will find the answer in the Word of God. The Word word says that before the world began, Jesus was. The Word was with us. The solution to any problem that you're facing as an individual, the solution to any problem in your family, the solution to any problem in our nation, in this world, is the Word of Almighty God. It's not maybe. It's not I hope so. It is answerable by the living Word of God that's sharper than any two-edged sword that divides asunder, the Scripture says, between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You have someone you look at as an enemy, pray for them. Pray that the Word of God would cut them in two so that they know who they are and who God is. God is effective. His Word is effective says that there's a division of soul and spirit. Our soul is our mind, our will, and emotions. And they are being ministered to on a daily basis. Our thoughts taken into captivity. Our will submitted to the will of God. Our emotions hopefully put in check. Am I the only one that feels a need to strangle two or three people every day lately? Come on, you just want to say, you haven't got the brains God gave geese. You know what I mean? You just say, you've got, uh, where did you, did you wake up like is your head numb or something? But you know what? God has called us to love people. So he's working on our emotions, thank God. Sanctifying our emotions. But he's able to divide, the word of God is able to divide between soul and spirit. There are three parts to our spirit man. Number one is the conscience. That which knows right from wrong. Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. 
And if children, it goes on to say, then heirs. And joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So God has communicated to the spirit man so that we know who we are and who he is. Romans 9.1 says, I tell the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. It's imperative, I made a joke earlier, but it's very imperative that we love people. It's imperative that we understand that people are dumb as rocks because they don't have Christ. Before I had Christ, I didn't even have the brains of rocks. Are you there? So our conscience, that which knows right from wrong. We try to get sometimes, we try to get what's right or wrong or take sides because of something somebody said on TV or something that somebody said. No, the conscience bears witness to our relationship with God. He's not holding back right from us. He tells us right. That feeling that you get in your spirit, that's the right thing. Go with your spirit, man. Come on, somebody. But the trouble is today we can be convinced out of what we hear from God. Because the Spirit of God tells us to love people. The Spirit of God tells us it's going to be okay. The Spirit of God says, if my kingdom come, my will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. We think somehow that somebody can have more power than the kingdom of God. No one has more power than the kingdom of God. No one has more power than God Almighty. Conscience. Second part of our spirit, man, is fellowship. We commune with God. John 4.24 says, God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. When we worship God and commune with God, we know what His will is. We're not questioning what His will is. Romans 1.9 says, For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Listen to what Paul says. He says, Whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son. We're serving God. We hear from Him. We have fellowship with Him. Scripture says we have fellowship with one another and He is in the light as we are in the light. He is the light of the world. No one could have known months ago that we'd be where we are. No one. It seems like every morning I wake up, there's another surprise. God is not surprised. If you look deep in your spirit, God has been preparing you for this day. Whether or not you took that training is entirely up to you. Maybe some of us are going, whoops, I should have done that, what God told me to do six months ago. But it's all right. God is preparing us, equipping us. Come on, His mercy and His grace. Come on, somebody. We can do this. We can make it through this, whatever this is. This is the greatest day of the kingdom of God. The greatest day in the kingdom of God is right ahead. The world's falling apart. I've told people over and over again, I'll tell you again, it was designed to fall apart. All the prayers in the world are not going to gum it back together, glue it back to the way it was. The earth is evil. Sin has taken over. It will fall apart. Jesus is returning soon. All the prayers in the world of please put it back together, Lord, so we can live our lives. Could you just put it off for another couple generations? That may very well be, but it's up to God when His timing is. 
us praying that it would stop and we'd be comfortable again is really selfish prayers. We're not really communing with God. When we do that, we're kind of communing with our comfort. I get it. I'm getting older. I'll be 66 very soon. And I like comfort. I like things to remain just the way they are until I exit, if you please. Things are not going to happen like that. Communing with God is preparing us for the days that are ahead. Very great days, I think, for the church, but for the world it may not be so good. The third part of our communication, or our spirit man, is intuition. Direct sense and feeling in the spirit man. For what man, 1 Corinthians 2.11 says, and it's, there's a hole right there where yours is, so you can put 2.11 uh, if you don't know what that says. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him, even so no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Listen to me. The spirit knows what the soul cannot. This is being spirit-led. Doing things because God told you to, not because you're tr- you've figured it out and know what to do. This is a walk of faith. When God says pray, pray. When God says stop, stop. When God says go, go. Come on, somebody. Tonight we're praying at the courthouse. We're inviting police to come. We're inviting you to come. And we're crying out to God for His move. It's time for Him to move. I believe He's going to do that. And then I invite you to come and pray with us tonight. But we must have a direct sense and a feeling in our spirit, man, and act on that feeling. Not out of flesh, not out of anger, not out of desperation, not out of angst. Come on, the scripture says that I don't have the spirit of fear. I have the spirit of power and love and a disciplined mind, a sound mind. Given to me by Almighty God. Intuition. I should know. I should know what's going on and not be afraid. Communion with God is an open life before Him. It's a guiding principle that He'll tell us the next step. That's His guarantee. Come on, somebody. If I have to get up and seek God and try to go find Him, I've lost a lot of time in Him. When I wake up in the morning, God is right there, ready to give me my marching orders, ready to speak to me, ready to tell me what's going on. He doesn't want me in a perfunctory sense to say, God, what are you doing? If you have that kind of relationship with God, you need to get adjusted again. God is not going to play hide-go-seek with His children, especially at this crucial time. We have the mind of Christ, do we not? One person, we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ, do we not? And if we have the mind of Christ, then Christ is going to tell us what to do. We need to shut all the white noise off, all the other stuff off. I know this is like uh, uh, revelatory to some, but Sean Hannity does not have the corner on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus does. He lives in me. He's going to tell me. Come on, somebody. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. 
And I can't caution you enough as to what you're allowing in your ear gate. I've said my pet peeve before. I won't spend a long time on it, but some of the songs that are coming out today are not worthy of my ear. Not going to listen to them. I want songs that glorify God, put Him in the first place, who He is, who we are, and what we can do with and for Him. Come on, somebody. I've long passed a bubblegum stage where God is my neat sugar daddy and going to bless me everything I do. Come on, somebody. Speaking to one another in hymns and songs and spiritual songs. And then give thanks. I'll tell you what, I've found it hard over the last couple of months to give thanks. When I see what's going on in our nation, a nation that I love. But God already knew things like that would happen, and he still put it in his word to give thanks. There's an order, there's a way of giving thanks, there's an order, there's a precedent, and a pattern. We give thanks to the Father in the name of Jesus by the power of Holy Spirit. We thank God all the time. He's got the best in store. Somebody said, I don't know what's going to happen in the next few years. I'm kind of scared. Well, my friend, it's going to be okay. We're going to end up in heaven for an eternity. How many know we can put up with things for a few more years? Say, we may even have to be uncomfortable for a while, can you imagine? But God has got eternity set forth for us place where there is no tears, place where there is no work. We'll rest in Him for eternity, our eternal rest in Jesus Christ. I have it on good report, there's hammocks in heaven, you know. It's going to be a wonderful time. Timeless place serving a timeless God in a timeless kingdom where nothing is shaken. That's what awaits us. So we give thanks to Him now, to the Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of Holy Spirit, in full knowledge that whatever God has, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to work out. How often do we do this? The Scripture says always. Give thanks always. Right now there's a river flowing out of you. Did you know that? Jesus said, rivers of living water will flow from your belly. Right now, God is supplying a river that runs to you and hopefully through you. It can be stopped by the cares of this world, dammed up by worry and concern, but God provides the river. God provides the good news. Now notice it says, always for all things. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good that those are called according to His purpose. And the bottom line, either God is directing or He is not directing. I don't know about you, but He's directing my life. He promised He'd order my steps. Not in all things, but for all things. Some people says, whatever happened, we need to thank God. No, some things are meant to war against. This 
idiocy that's going on in our nation right now. We need to war against it. We are wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. You can see demons everywhere. If you never believed in demons before, you better take a look. They're everywhere. And they are the guiding principle in most people's life that don't know Christ. Right now, demons are running our nation. Some things, we don't say thank Him for in all things. We thank Him for all things. Some things must be avoided. Some things we war against, some things we run away from. Come on, somebody. Godliest thing Joseph did was run out of the room when Potiphar's wife said, come to bed with me. He didn't wrestle her or smack her or preach to her. He turned tail and ran. Are you there? Some things you just turn and run from. Set nothing evil before your eyes. Do not let the enemy have a foothold in your life. Then Scripture says this, which is one of the most challenging Scriptures, short ones in the Word. It says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. That's hard. Turn to somebody and say, it's hard to submit to you. Go on. It's hard to submit to you. But Scripture says we're to submit to one another. Now, what's that mean? It means exactly what it says. It means to submit to one another. But it's submission God's way. Illustrations are abounding right now. I don't even have to look for any illustrations. People thumbing their noses against the law, lying to destroy careers and lives, hate and destruction in spite of please to please stop. You talk about rebellion, it's everywhere. This is a glorious time for us to set the example by submitting to one another in the love of God. Now, what's that mean? We submit to one another in the body of Christ by submitting to the Word of God. I just had some people I love very much tell me that we needed to apologize for 400 years of injustice to our African-American brothers and sisters. And I thought about that. I really did. I said, is this something I need to do? And then I thought about it. Listen very carefully. What's the kingdom of God say? What's the word of God say? The sins of the fathers will not be visited on the children. So I started to think, 400 years ago, there were terrible things happening in this nation, granted. But how many know the body of Christ was here on this, in this land? Was the church here in this land 400 years ago? Do you think they prayed and interceded and asked God to forgive the people that were doing the terrible things to our black brothers and sisters. Do you think God forgave them? Yes. If you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive you of sins and cleanse you from my... If my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, I will cleanse their land. Was it cleansed 400 years ago? You better believe it was. Did he bless this nation? Yes, he's blessed this nation. Will he not bless this nation because of current sins? Yes. We have the sin of abortion. We have the sin of crime. We have the sin of homosexuality. We have the sin of lazy. We have all kinds of sins that we need to confess right now for this generation. 
But we don't need to go back and ask forgiveness for 400 years ago as if God says, I'll forgive you, but the time on this forgiveness is 200 years. After 200 years, somebody's going to have to pray and ask forgiveness again. That would be like me going back to a sin that I did when I was 35 years old and confess it again. So what are you doing? Well, God, I'm taking care of things. I'm praying for this sin I did 35 years ago. God says, well, I forgave it 35 years ago. This thing of going back and asking the American Indian and the black person to please forgive causes more confusion and releases more demons because what we do, listen to me very carefully, what we do is go back and uncover the blood of Jesus and tear those sins back out and say somebody has to pay because the blood of Christ was not effective enough. The blood of Christ eradicated those sins. They're taken care of. Do we have sins to confess for today? You better believe we do. We better fast and pray. Our country is in dire need of forgiveness. But it's the current sins of today that we need to deal with. I can't possibly carry the weight of 400 years of sin. Nor was I intended to. That's not submission to one another. What that is, is it's making slaves out of Christians. Not slaves of God, but slaves of sin. And we ought to put an end to it. It's controversial, I know. I was invited to pray. They had several years ago, they had prayer up near the Catholic Church on, here in, in Rochester. And we were praying against the Trail of Tears, the Trail of, what's it called? The Trail of, pardon me? Trail of Death, Trail of Tears. And they gathered together in the middle of Main Street and poured oil on the street and asked forgiveness. God would not let me go to that. For the very thing I just told you. God already forgave all that. Why are we going back and saying that we need to forgive again? All it does is pull up strife. Come on, somebody. Look around the room. Let me see a show of hands to any slave owners in in the house today. Look around the room. Anybody a slave today in this room? Except the one that's trying to be funny. We're a slave of Jesus Christ, but... We submit to the Word of God. We say what the Word of God says, no matter how convincing our friends, even our brothers and sisters, are trying to be. That's not the Word of God. We need to stand on what the Word says, the living Word of God. Serving one another is a tough task, but it is a command. That doesn't mean I'm not serving somebody if I disagree with them. Let's come under the Word of God and agree what the Word of God says. Our biggest enemy is not the devil. Our biggest enemy is not our brother and sister. Our biggest enemy is us. Dying to self is the only way to truly live for Christ. Let's look at a couple verses. Romans chapter 2, verse 8. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness indignation and wrath. Galatians 5.23 says that we're supposed to have self-control. That's a tough one. You've heard it said, we judge others by their actions and us by our intentions. James 3 verse 14 says, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Verse 16 says, for where envy and self-seeking exist, Confusion and every evil thing are there. 
the truth, the nasty truth about this verse, verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God is one of the toughest things we'll ever have to do. Because what it means is we're dying to self. I have to believe that you have my best interest at heart. If you don't have my my best interest at heart, the Holy Spirit will take care of you. Are you there? Man, this one verse, if we just submit to one another, we'd have half as many churches in our community as we do now. Most churches that are birthed are birthed out of rebellion because you didn't like what somebody else said over there. Man, if I left the church every time I was corrected, whew, man, come on, somebody. I was a, as a young, young guy, I was on the board of a church. wasn't in the ministry. I was just one of the board members. And I got angry in the board meeting, if you can imagine. And man, I, I let it be known. I slammed the book I had. I think it was a Bible. Slammed it on the table and said, I'm out of here. I got up. And my pastor is a little short guy. Sit down, he says. So I'll sit down. So I sat down. Set through the rest of the meeting. Seemed like it was an eternity. It was only about 15 minutes. I was as red as a beet. I was mad. And everybody knew I was mad. I just bit my tongue and shut my mouth. And after the meeting, the pastor took me inside and he said, you absolutely have disqualified yourself from any position of leadership if you cannot control your anger. I don't want you serving with me. Well, of course, I said, thank you very much. I love you. No. And I got my car, went home, set, told my wife, I said, I don't think I'll ever go back to that church. How dare him talk to me like that? Who shows up at my door? The pastor. When he came in, that's exactly what I said. I said, you got a lot of guts, man. Come to my house. I was going to knock him out and throw him in my front yard, to tell you the truth. But he sat and talked to me, loved me, prayed with me, and changed the direction of my life because I was willing to submit to the authority that God had put in my life. Did I go through it with flying colors? Absolutely not. I had a lot to repent of. Because I had hate for my brother. And I had a couple good punches there in, this, in, in my mind that I never got to lay on him. Still a good friend of mine. Still talk to one another. Love him. Why did I say all that? Man, take correction. Man, correct people when it's time to correct people. But do it in a spirit of love. I knew he loved me. But I, he, didn't, he didn't pull any punches. Submit to one another in the fear of God. In the fear of God. God's on the throne. He knows what's going on. Submitting one to another. Preach back to me now. Name, name some obstacles to peace in our nation today. What, what are some obstacles to reach peace? Say it louder. Assuming lack of forgiveness is a big one, man. I can hear them screaming now. You've heard them say the same thing, what I mentioned a few minutes ago. 400 years of oppression. They're making... People get on their knees and ask forgiveness for 400 years of oppression. You know how demonic that is? 
Does anybody but me realize how demonic that is? What other obstacles are we facing in America today? Ignorance. Self. Violence. How about broken families? How about broken families? Most major cities, the rate of divorce is higher than the rate of marriage. Inner cities. Kids that have no fathers. What's a practical way to trust God in these troubled times? Read the Bible. How do we trust God in these troubled times? I'm sorry? Amen. I'll tell you what, sometimes I know you've had the same periods. I get periods of fear. My wife going to be okay? Is my family going to be okay? My son lives in New York, about an hour from New York City. God, what if this happens? God, what if this? I have to release it all to God. Good answer. How has social media affected the outcome of all these problems? How many spend time on social media looking at stuff? Come on, be honest. Can I tell you just to filter, man, just filter it out? Sometimes we just need to shut that noise off. Because there are reports, conspiracy theories, man. Amen. I have a habit of every time I see a policeman, I thank him for his service. Or a serviceman, thank you for your service. Can I encourage you to do that right now with policemen? It's not a left to us be judge, jury, and executioner. Are there bad police? Yes. There's bad everybody. We need to thank them for their, their lives. Hey, anybody got an example of how the living Word of God has changed you or ministered to you? The living Word of God ministered to you? Huh? Still here. Speak it till it's manifest. Thank you, Randy. Interestingly enough, I'm interested in three ways God communicates with us. One way? Three, Three ways God communicates. Yes, no way. Prayer, Bible, the Holy Spirit. What's another way? Are you ready? Say it louder. The body of Christ. God will send you an answer sometimes through me. Can you believe it? God will send you an answer through the person sitting beside you or the row in front of you. I remember one day I was here in the office and I was praying and praying and praying and praying and trying to get an answer. And somebody came by for help. And we started to talk and they were a Christian. They gave me the answer. God sent somebody that I'll never see again to give me an answer. God communicates through people, if you can imagine. And sometimes through the least likely of people. Sometimes it's through somebody you don't really like that much. And they give you an answer that God is a... He communicates because He loves you. A couple other things you can discuss between you when you get home today how to be really thankful. Love you all so much. There's a, just a great thing happening. Ashley had a word this morning in, in our prayer time that this was a turnaround time. God was going to break through. All the darkness is gone. There's a light coming. And uh, I really believe that. I believe we're entering into a tremendous time in, in, uh, in God. 
God is going to show himself. Like I said, hold my staff. Let me show you what suddenly means. So, Father, thank you so much for this passage this morning. Thank you for teaching us, being with us, Holy Spirit, guiding and leading us. Thank you for your word, God, that dwells in us. Thank you for your spirit that leads and guides us. I ask blessings on each and every one, Father. Lord, we pray for our community and our nation, this region, God, that you would show yourself strong. Bring peace to the inner cities. Bring peace to our nation, God, so that we can preach the gospel. Get the ark filled before your return. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. See you at the courthouse tonight at 6 o'clock.